Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Thanks for the Knowledge. This is, of course, Fanbyte's weekly news show, rounding up the headlines and games and entertainment into one handy podcast. Uh, I'm your host. I'm head of Fanbyte Media. I'm John Warren, and uh, I've got a great show for you this week. Uh, I sat down with Ken Shepard and Mike Williams to talk about a lot of the new Overwatch 2 information we just got. Did they clear anything up? Are we worried about labor issues lingering with this team? We talk about all of that. But before we get to that excellent conversation, we have to talk about a jam-packed week of headlines. What a massive week for game announcements. We got to cover the Xbox Game Show because that was last Sunday, the day that this aired. So we'd already record the episode. We'll go into that a little bit. But I want to talk about a few game uh, announcements that happened at the tail end of this week. On Thursday afternoon, we got word uh, from Square Enix that Final Fantasy VII Rebirth is the second game in the remake trilogy. So a few announcements all at once. One, we have the name of the second game. It's Rebirth. And also the fact that this game is now slated to be a trilogy ending with a third game that will come down the line. And we got a trailer. It's a short one and it didn't have a whole lot of content in it, but uh, it, very interesting. We saw Zach Fair. We saw Cloud Strife. We saw Sephiroth kind of walking, uh, walking with Cloud as Cloud is contemplating what Sephiroth could possibly be up to. Uh, Imran Khan has speculated about where this series will go in a piece over at fanbyte.com. I will not do that. I won't spoil things here. Um, but uh, yeah, some interesting thoughts. And I mostly agree with where Imran thinks this is going. Uh, and uh, the Intermission DLC, which features Yuffie as a protagonist, Intergrade, that's the upgrade that is coming to uh, PC. Um, so that's going to be on Epic and Steam, uh, which is pretty exciting. No word yet about an Xbox version of Final Fantasy VII Remake. And it's kind of odd that there isn't, but uh, who knows how long that console exclusive is going to be. Maybe forever, it seems like. But uh, yeah, no word yet about if that's coming to uh, Xbox. Uh, but this game looks pretty good. Uh, I Final Fantasy VII Remake was one of my favorite games of 2020. Uh, just uh, just getting beaten out by Hades for my best of the year. Uh, this is a game I'm playing over right now. It is super, super good. Even if you've never played the original Final Fantasy VII, I think you should definitely play it. We got other announcements from that show. Uh, oh, pff, I didn't even mention maybe the most important part. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth is going to come out in the winter of 2023. So we have to wait a bit for that. 
Um, but that's about where I expected it to come out. I didn't think it was going to be this year. I didn't think it'd be early next year. So late next year seems right to me. But if you want to play something in this universe in 2022, you will get, you'll basically get that opportunity in, in the winter of 2022 later this year, uh, Square Enix is releasing a remaster of Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core. It's called Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core Reunion. Uh, it is uh, very exciting. This game was a PSP game that I 100%ed when it came out. It's one of the only PSP games I did that with. Uh, it is a telling of the story before the story. It is essentially a direct prequel to the Final Fantasy VII original game. It gives you a lot of context as to who Cloud is, how Cloud ended up in this position, who Zack Fair is, who is a very minor character in the original Final Fantasy VII, but it is a major character in the Final Fantasy VII Extended Canon, uh, introduces characters like Angeal and Genesis, and if you have no idea who those people are, then well, you should probably play this game, because it seems like they will factor in in some way to the upcoming Final Fantasy VII Remake and, you know, honestly, it's it's a good game. It's a weird game, but it is a well-designed kind of on-the-go game. It'll be interesting to see how this translates to uh, modern platforms because it's definitely got some uh, some charm, right? Uh, but it's going to be, it's going to come out for a lot of systems. So PS5, PS4, Nintendo Switch, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One. So they're really running the gamut with that. It's going to have updated 3D models, full voiceover, new musical arrangements, and, and yeah, like it was a really interesting piece of mobile design. Uh, this was you know designed for a portable, uh, portable system. There is a, you know, a cohesive, large story to uncover, but there are also these side missions that are really good for pick up and play. So if I'm you, I would pick it up for something like a Nintendo switch or maybe steam, which will be good on steam deck. Cause I do think it is a good, uh, you know, you know, on the go kind of game, but it is vital to uh to the entire canon apparently so definitely definitely keep an eye on it uh, at the very same time that Square Enix was announcing all of the stuff for Final Fantasy VII, uh, Capcom also had a live stream event celebrating the 10th anniversary of Dragon's Dogma. And at the end of that anniversary statement, you know, they kind of buried the lead a little bit, although we kind of expected this to happen. Uh, they announced a sequel to Dragon's Dogma 2 that is uh, under development right now. If you've never played Dragon's Dogma 2, uh, I mean, if you've never played Dragon's Dogma, I think you should play it. There's a game right now. It's available on many platforms called uh, Dragon's Dogma Dark Arisen, which is a 2019 kind of remaster of the game. Uh, it is, it's got the DLC in it. It is an action RPG where you can uh, create your own companion character called a pawn. You can also hire pawns uh, outside of this uh, specific one that you create to basically help you undertake these kind of really interesting uh, battles with big creatures uh, and do a lot of other stuff. And it is a game that is well ahead of its time came out in a time where uh, a lot of folks were uh, playing Skyrim and other RPGs. And this kind of fell by the wayside. It's janky. It's weird, but it is probably uh, one of the better role-playing games that I've played in a long time. 
I've been playing Dark Arisen for a bit on Nintendo Switch, and it is one of my favorite RPGs I've played in a while. Uh, Director Hideaki Itsuno and his team are at work at Dragon's Dogma 2, and gosh, this is just very exciting news. Uh, And I think you should definitely go play it. Uh, If you liked Elden Ring, for example, Mike brings this up uh, a bit later in the show, Mike Williams, but if you liked Elden Ring, I think you should play this game because it's got a lot of the same vibes. Um, Let's talk about uh, the Xbox showcase that happened uh, a week ago uh, when this show goes up. So it's a a bit of old news at this point, but there's stuff we should, we should pull out. Uh, Redfall got a really long uh, gameplay trailer, and this is a game from Arcane Austin. Uh, Those are the folks responsible for Prey and uh, Dishonored. Uh, Harvey Smith has been making uh, rounds with uh, interviews with like GameSpot and other folks uh, talking about this game. A A thing that he and the team want you to know is that is not like Left 4 Dead. There are four distinct characters that you can choose from and play them uh, in a co-op fashion. But this is a this is just a big open world uh, uh, game that you can play by yourself. And if you play it by yourself, you're not going to be kind of seeing a lot of interplay with other characters. They won't be bots that are helping you out. It'll be a big beefy single player experience if you choose to play it that way. Uh, so, and if you play it with others, uh, word came out that basically the progress will only be tied to the host of that game. So, it while it is a co-op game, it is not kind of being developed as a way way to have co-op be like the centerpiece of the game. It's still going to be a big open world RPG where you're, uh, where you're fighting vampires and shooting stuff and using powers and all that stuff. Looks like it's got all the arcane DNA, which like I, that's really the most important thing to me. Um, Xbox, this is going to be important context for the rest of the show. They said that everything that they showed will be uh, released in the next 12 months. So listen, they don't have to hold themselves to that. That's just PR speak, but pretty big claim, right? And so it is important then that uh, they announce their next game, Hollow Knight Silk Song, the sequel to uh, Hollow Knight, which is an excellent game that came out in 2018, which you should play. Um, that's going to come out in the next year, apparently, and it's going to be on Game Pass on day one. So that is uh, pretty exciting news for folks who have been waiting for that. Uh, I think a lot of people were expecting that to maybe be ready to go and to be like stealth dropped uh, right away. But no, we're going to have to wait a little while for that. No release date yet, but apparently it will be within the year. Um, So we also got some uh, really interesting news. Riot Games is uh, teaming up with Xbox Game Pass uh, to basically promote a lot of their games on the platform. Now, you might be thinking, well, gosh, everything Riot makes is free to play, right? And you're right. Everything they do make is free to play. But a lot of the things that they, uh, you know, a lot of things that you have to unlock, like uh, legends in League of Legends or characters in Valorant, things like that. If you are an Xbox Live subscriber, you will have those characters unlocked uh, already. So that's a lot of money you could, could potentially spend to unlock all those things. But if you're a Game Pass sub, uh, you got it. So that's actually a pretty big deal. It's really interesting to see all the Activision Blizzard stuff and Riot Games stuff coexisting on Xbox Game Pass because I really think of Xbox, uh, I really think of Riot and Blizzard as kind of direct competitors in this space. So it's very interesting to see uh, this happening. Uh, but that's a pretty cool thing. So, uh, and this is all on PC, by the way, uh, PC Game Pass because they don't have League of Legends on uh, consoles yet, nor Valorant. I think those things would be, I think League could easily be translated to. 
uh, to console, although, you know, the, the folks with a mouse might have an advantage. Uh, but Valorant, I think that's also going to be tough to put on um, to put on console the way that it's configured right now. But who knows? Uh, we also saw a long sequence about Forza Motorsport. They're not putting a uh, a number on this. It's basically just kind of a, now it's Forza Motorsport. Who knows if that's going to be just kind of a platform going forward. But it is a contrast to their Forza Horizon series, which has actually gotten more, uh, I think, press and popularity in the past few years. But Forza Motorsport is their uh, Gran Turismo competitor. It's the place where a lot of the nuts and bolts and real fine details of racing uh, come come through. Turn 10 talked about all the cool ray tracing and graphical bells and whistles, but they really pointed out that the big thing is they're, they've uh, uh, really beefed up their driving physics simulation. Uh, it looks good. looks great. I mean, listen, it's hard to you get kind of diminishing returns on how good racing games look. They all kind of look wonderful at this point, but I'm definitely excited to take that for a spin. We saw some cool stuff from Flight Simulator, including uh, a ship from Halo that can go uh, into the stratosphere, which is pretty cool. Uh, they've also got a lot of, um, you know, new stuff coming out for the 40th anniversary that you can check out. Uh, that game is very cool. We learned a little bit more about Overwatch 2 from this presentation. I won't talk about any of that. We're going to talk about that in a roundtable in the next section with uh, with uh, Ken and Mike Williams, but some interesting stuff there. Uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of other really quick announcements, you know, the uh, fallout 76 is getting an expedition called the pit, which takes you back to, uh, Pittsburgh, uh, which you might remember from fallout three, uh, Forza horizon five is basically getting a hot wheels DLC, which is very wild. It comes out on July 19th and that looks like a lot of fun. Arc two was announced. Uh, of course we still got CCG Vin Diesel, which is pretty fun that's going to be coming out obviously within the next year uh we finally saw a new trailer for scorn which is that uh hr giger inspired first person shooter it'll be out on game pass on october 21st uh mojang uh, who made uh minecraft of course uh in conjunction with hitsune miku is uh building a new game it's a strategy game it's called minecraft legends uh, it looks pretty neat if you're into minecraft that is definitely uh, one you should be looking out for. Uh, we also saw a really extended conversation and trailer for As Dusk Falls, which is an interactive narrative about two families across 30 years in Arizona that's coming July 19th, so that's pretty soon, and is, of course, coming on Game Pass. We saw a new trailer for Naraka Blade Point, which is a console launch exclusive for Xbox. It's a free-to-play action battle royale game, pretty popular on PC already. Uh, it is coming out on June 23rd, as I will mention later in the show it's also coming to xbox game pass uh and so that's uh that's a that's a no-brainer if you need kind of a action uh battle royale to play on uh on xbox um uh, pentiment is a new game from josh sawyer he's been on a couple of fanbite podcasts before he's the guy behind fallout new vegas uh and it is a narrative title set in uh bavaria Coming in November of 2022, it's on Game Pass. It looks gorgeous, very, very cool 16th century art storybook uh, aesthetic. Looks like you'll be investigating a murder, perhaps. I really liked the vibe of this game. I hope to have Josh Sawyer on a future episode of the show to talk about it because it looks very, very cool. 
We saw an extended trailer for the Necromancer, a new character in Diablo 4, as well as a very expanded game developer showcase for Diablo 4. Uh, it's going to be fully crossplay between PC and console. There's robust character customization for any class you're playing. It's going to be coming out in 2023 for Xbox consoles and PC, uh, and it looks great. Uh, all the gameplay that they showed was captured on Xbox Series X. Uh, and uh, if you are a fan of Diablo, this one looks great. If you're a little disenfranchised with Diablo Mortal and some of the predatory stuff that they're doing with microtransactions, you might be relieved to know that a lot of that stuff is not coming to Diablo 4, um, which uh, is very cool. Uh, that game looks great. The folks uh, behind Nier, uh, sorry, not Nier, Neo, that's a big difference. Uh, Neo Team Ninja is working on a game of Koei Tecmo called Wo Long Fallen Dynasty. It is basically a Neo-like game uh, set in the Romance of the Three Kingdoms uh, timeline in China, which is very, very cool. It's coming to Game uh, Game Pass on day one. I think this is a very underexplored mythos in the West, and now that a big team like uh, Team Ninja is tackling it, uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll see a lot of it <laughs> after this point, but it's very cool that this is coming out so obviously uh, game pass day one it'll be out in the next year another big announcement is persona 3 portable persona 4 golden and persona 5 royale are all coming to xbox game consoles uh, uh persona 5 royal is coming in october all these games are coming to game pass that is a really big deal uh, persona 3 portable is the really big one that's kind of been in a uh, a limbo for a while where you could be able to play it it, just, it is the definitive version of persona 3 a very good video game uh, and all three of these versions are the definitive versions and you should definitely be excited about getting your hands on those if you are an Xbox player. Finally, uh, we saw Todd Howard, uh, the, the captain over there at Bethesda Games, uh, giving us a good look at Starfield. It's the first time that we've seen a lot of gameplay in action, uh, and it, it looks like a Bethesda game. So this is their wheelhouse. This is what they do. This should not be a huge shock. It looks like a Skyrim. It looks like a Fallout, but it's basically taking place in space. There are a lot of things in this game that are pretty new for this engine and for uh, this development team. So there's space travel. There are a thousand unique planets that you can explore. You can basically take your ship and land anywhere on these planets, according to Todd Howard. That seems like a pretty big deal. Who knows if those will be... Uh, interested. They say it's the most handcrafted content they've ever put into a game, but uh, got to think with a thousand planets, there'll be some sort of proc gen there. Um, who knows how much of those planets will be actually populated. A thing I did appreciate, um, not everybody appreciates this, but I do, is that the planets for the most part look pretty planet-like. They're pretty barren. They're pretty uh, unforgiving. They're not super lush with vegetation for the most part. We did see some planets that did look like that, but for the most part, um, they kind of kept a uh, what I felt like was a grounded uh, aesthetic with the way that um, planetary bodies actually are uh, in contrast to something like No Man's Sky, which uses proc gen to kind of populate these planets with um, with flora and fauna. Um, and it's really interesting. Honestly, the legacy of Sean Murray and the team over at Hello Games, they have hugely inspired a Starfield, it seems like. So you're, there's a lot of stuff that you will see in Starfield that will remind you of No Man's Sky. Uh, I feel like that's a huge compliment. We also got to look at some character uh, creation and customization stuff. 
The character models of this game look way better than anything Bethesda's ever done, so that's to their credit. Uh, a lot of the gameplay, uh, uh, you know, a lot of the perks that you can select for your character are pretty interesting. You can basically choose to own a house um, from the beginning of the game, except you have a mortgage, so it's a little bit of a Tom Nook situation. Um, you can you can choose to have living parents uh, that you can go visit, apparently, but you'll have to give 10% of your income to your parents because you're sending, uh, you're sending money home to your parents, which is kind of a funny idea. Interesting perks. Still seems like a lot of the stats that are in this game are uh, holdovers from The Elder Scrolls and Fallout. Some of those things are good. Some of those things are bad. We saw some extended uh, gunplay in this game. Looks okay. I would say it looks a little clunky, like the gameplay in these Bethesda games have always been. Uh, and this game, like I, like we said, is probably going to come out in 2023. They did not commit to a specific date. It will come uh, day one to Game Pass. Uh, and, and yeah, uh, you can, uh, let's see what other bells and whistles. You can customize your spaceship. You can visit these big uh, space communities. Um, you can customize, you can build bases on some of these planets. So there's a lot to like and be excited about in Starfield. Um, but I still have a lot of questions, uh, that went unanswered with that showcase. Uh, but yeah, hopefully we'll know more, uh, at some point before 2023. Oh, pfft, how could I forget two, two more details. Those persona ports, by the way, um, Xbox didn't say any of those things because probably for reasons of, uh, a marketing deal that they made with the Atlas folks. But, uh, those, those games, those ports, uh, Persona 4 Portable, Persona 4 Golden, Persona 5 Royal are also coming to uh, Steam and PlayStation 5. <laughs> so those aren't just Xbox joints. So uh, you can definitely play those games still on a PlayStation console. It's just it was big news that it was coming to uh, to Xbox. Also, uh, Hideo Kojima made an appearance on that show. I forgot about that. And Kojima-san showed up to the show to make an announcement about a collaboration he is working on with Microsoft Game Studios. So, yes, Kojima and his studio are working on something with Microsoft Studios. This is what he said, quote, with Microsoft's cutting ed edge cloud technology and the change in the industry's trend, it has now become possible to challenge myself to make this never before seen concept. It may take some time and I'm looking forward to teaming up with Xbox Game Studios and hope to bring you some exciting news in the future, end quote. Uh, by the way, um, he's still working with uh, PlayStation on stuff. So this is not some sort of exclusive partnership. A lot of people really freaked out online about this partnership with uh, Microsoft. But, uh, but yeah, uh, this is something that uh, Hideo Kojima is working on with, uh, with Xbox, which is exciting. Some sort of cloud component seems like it'll be mechanically intricate or interesting or something that wasn't really able to be done before. We'll see. And it sounds like it's going to be a very long time till we find out, but it is exciting news. If you are a Kojima fan and an Xbox owner, a quick note about a game that just came out, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. 
First of all, it's really good. You should go to uh, our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash fanbite, to watch our first bite of the show. We kind of talk about our impressions of this game. It's very, very good. It's out on PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and PC. Uh, There are apparently, uh, though, no DLC plans for it. So like Streets of Rage, Streets of Rage 4, which was also a .emu joint, um, it had had an excellent bit of uh, DLC last year called uh, Mr. X's Nightmare. Um, And it was uh, a really, really, really great way to reinvigorate uh, interest in that game. Uh, the team over uh, over at Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, Shredder's Revenge uh, saying they do not have any sort of plan to do this. No plans for DLC cons, uh, costumes um, and, and nothing of the sort. So they're going to keep an eye on it. Uh, it sounds like maybe it will have something to do with the success of the game. Uh, it's on top of the Steam charts. It's got like 8,000 concurrence in its first couple days. So I would say it's a success. We'll have to keep an eye on that. And it is a great game. So you should go watch that first bite. You should check out that game and, uh, you know, let us know what you think. Hey, remember when we talked about a Gran Turismo film coming out? It's now dated for August 11th, 2023. It's from director Neil Blomkamp, who directed District 9. It's apparently based on a true story about a Gran Turismo player who was so good, he translated that success to uh, real racing. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, it's based on the story of Jan Martinborough. Uh, and he was a player who competed in the third GT Academy competition. It was a reality show. Grand Turismo of six players would compete in the game before moving to a real race car, uh, situation. Uh, Martinborough was the winner of that competition and he became the winner, the youngest winner in that series of short history. Uh, and he has been, uh, since found some success in professional racing. He's uh, competed in Japanese super GT series, F3 European championship, the GP three series, and also 24 hours of Le Mans. Uh, and so that's basically what the Gran Turismo film will be based on, which makes a lot of sense. I wasn't totally sure how they were going to get a script out of Gran Turismo, and this is probably the best way to do it. So, yeah. Uh, we also got a Capcom showcase this past week. Uh, if Dragon's Dogma 2, for some reason, was not announced during that showcase, although it felt like it should have been. Uh, here, let's quickly go through a few highlights. Uh, Sunbreak, which is the new Monster Hunter Rise uh, DLC. Uh, that expansion is coming to Switch and PC on June 30th. Uh, Steven Strom has been playing that for a while, uh, so expect a lot of impressions and guides and things like that to go up on the site soon. Uh, and there's a demo that's uh, available right now uh, that you can play and check out the game ahead of time if you are not sure about it. Uh, you're going to need to clear 13 gigs of space for Sunbreak, uh, but yeah, that's looking pretty good. We saw more of Resident Evil 4's upcoming remake. Uh, they are basically explicitly calling it a reimagining of the original Resident Evil 4, um, uh, which is one of my favorite games of all time. So uh, that's kind of interesting to see. Hey, Final Fantasy VII Remake did a great job reimagining that, the, that game. Uh, so uh, obviously I am uh, I'm open to a reinterpretation and reimagining of Resident Evil 4. Uh, but it looks uh, it looks pretty good. Uh, it, it, it confirms a lot of stuff that we had uh, 
we had uh, reported already. It's a little bit more emphasis on horror, uh, a little bit more emphasis on survival. Resident Evil 4 originally was a very action-packed game, um, which kind of took a different approach from uh, 1, 2, 3, and Code Veronica. Uh, but also uh, Resident Evil 2, Resident Evil 3, and Resident Evil 7 are getting PS5, Xbox Series X, and S, and updated PC versions. Uh, they already got those. Those are out. You can go get them now. As 4K compatibility, higher frame rates, 3D audio. They're free to previous owners of the games on uh, on you know, previous platforms, uh, previous compatible platforms. So if you own those, go get the updates now because uh, they look really, really nice. I want to wrap this section with a chat about Vince McMahon and WWE. Uh, WWE is uh, investigating a $3 million hush deal uh, allegedly paid to a former employee over an alleged affair. Um, But basically in the midst of this investigation on Friday morning, Vince McMahon announced that he is stepping aside as CEO and chairman and letting his daughter, Stephanie McMahon, who had actually stepped away from the company earlier this year, not long ago at all, about a month ago, uh, will step back into the company and become interim CEO. Now this might seem like a really, really huge deal, uh, but Vince McMahon is also staying on to be uh, the creative lead of the company. So it's not like he's vacating the, uh, company altogether. It's just that he's not going to be the CEO right now. Uh, WWE said in the release that, quote, a special committee of the board is conducting an investigation into alleged misconduct by its chairman and CEO Vince McMahon and John Laurinaitis, head of talent relations, and that effective immediately McMahon has voluntarily stepped back from his responsibilities as CEO and chairman of the board until the conclusion of the investigation. Um, they also said, like I said, that he will retain responsibilities related to the creative content. And uh, as of this recording, which is a Friday afternoon, and by the time you hear this, it will have already happened. He's slated to appear apparently in character as Mr. McMahon his kind of imposing and uh, gaudy on screen persona. Uh, appear on SmackDown, the Friday Night Live show that happens uh, on WWE over on Fox. Um, that's shocking that that he would do that. It's not super surprising, really, but it's still amazing uh, what, what kind of links he'll go to to uh, uh, get ratings for his company. So uh, anyway, uh, McMahon said in a statement, quote, I've pledged my complete cooperation to the investigation by the special committee, and I will do everything possible to support the investigation. I've also pledged to accept the findings and outcome of the investigation, whatever they are, end quote. Uh, pretty wild. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the Wall Street Journal uh, reported earlier this week that that $3 million settlement was to pay a paralegal in 2019 um, uh, to basically not talk about the relationship uh, when she departed the company. Um, and she was also prevented from making uh, any disparaging comments about him, talk about the relationship. Um and yeah, so a lot going on. Uh, no changes to John Laurinaitis's role. Uh, he was also named as being under investigation for misconduct, but apparently no changes have been made uh, with his role in the company. Uh, WWE, by the way, is a publicly traded company, but McMahon still holds the majority of shareholding uh, shareholders voting power. So uh, that is still a key announcement here. Uh, if you want a, a kind of a deep dive into how bizarre uh, Vince McMahon's last couple of years have been, you should go to fanbyte.com. Colette Aaron, our wrestling uh, editor, 
wrote a really great piece about how this investigation, how the rise of AEW, uh, how uh, Triple H's own issues within the company, how Stephanie McMahon's issues with the company have all led to this moment of this kind of this this idea that Vince McMahon may not be with WWE forever, uh, even as he lives. I I always kind of assumed that Vince would uh, have to die to not be a major part of this company, and uh, more and more. Um, with Nick Khan stepping in, uh, that's not to be confused with Tony Khan, who runs AEW, but Nick Khan, a high executive in uh, WWE, uh, since he has arrived, a lot of things have happened uh, to cause forward momentum with the McMahon's lack of control uh, with this company going forward. It's such a bizarre and interesting story. Um, Stephanie McMahon will be the interim CEO. We'll see how long that lasts. We'll see how long this investigation lasts. But this is a seismic, seismic piece of news uh, in professional wrestling uh, that should have a lot of consequences for years to come. So we will obviously uh, be talking a lot about this on uh, fanbyte.com for the next few weeks, months, however long it'll take. Uh, but very interesting story indeed. And uh, yeah, I want to take a quick break. We're going to talk about another podcast on the network for a brief moment. And then when we come back out of that break, we will have a wonderful conversation with Kenneth Shepard and Mike Williams about Overwatch 2. So stick around. Hello, this is John Warren interrupting this podcast to tell you about another podcast. It's called Friends Reunion. It's a podcast for discerning listeners. And this past week, we brought to you the Great British British Off Round 2. It's the second year we've done this. We're celebrating all things British. We perform the entire episode in our British accents. And this week, uh, we were very lucky to have two guests at the very end of the show, Tamo Hussein and Lucy James, providing us with their American accents. And I, uh, I beseech you to listen to this entire episode, smile along, and dream of the Jubilee with the Queen, who's definitely still alive. Anyway, very special episode of our comedy podcast, Friends Reunion. And that's with me, John Warren, LB Dog Tears, and Nicholas Grayson. You can listen to it every week on the Fanbyte Podcast Network on Friday mornings. Thank you so much. Pip Pip Cheerio. This week, the folks over at Activision Blizzard blew the lid off of Overwatch 2. Finally, feels like the fourth or fifth time they've done that, but it does feel like we have a sense of what they intend to do with this uh, this this wild game that comes out on October 4th. I want to talk to two people who uh, have some insight to share. Uh, one is Ken Shepard, who uh, spent some time with some folks at Activision Blizzard this week. Hello. Good morning. Hello, and also Mike Williams. Hello, Mike. Hello, hello. I'm the lapsed one. Yes, <laughs> good. I'm so glad that we have a lapsed Overwatcher here. I want to start with kind of a fairly open-ended question, and I'll start with you, Kenneth, because uh, you've you've obviously just been in deep with this stuff for the past couple of weeks. Um, did you get a 
better sense of what this game is after watching the presentation, after spending time with the devs. Talk to me about kind of what you're feeling now that uh, they've released more information. I think the simplest way for me to kind of like break down what this is, I feel like the two in the Overwatch 2 is largely symbolic more than it is (laughs) actually meaningful in the way that we normally talk about what a sequel is. Um, Because broadly, I feel like all all of the changes they are talking about and all of these changes they're making, not only just like, you know, the way the game plays, but also like the business model of the game. Right. um, I think it's actually kind of a lot of what the game has needed for a while now. Right. Um, I think, but you know, there is still people are looking like, what does the two mean in this? And right. honestly, I kind of think it's mostly meaningless now. I think that's kind of yeah. my largest takeaway is that we are just kind of like entering a new era in what Overwatch is as a whole. That I think they put a two on at the end because that probably sounds better in an earnings call to say that you have released a new product. Right. And it does. We have released this, my, this massive update. Yeah, because I mean the, the the big changes that I I really took away, because um, we can get into the things that don't feel like big changes, even though they're they're saying they're big changes. The biggest one is obviously this is shifting to a free to play live service. Mm-hmm. You could argue that it was a live service before, but now it's free to play. They're going to be adding PVE experiences next year. There's going to be cross progression across multiple game platforms, and then this kind of seasonal model, which other games have made. Uh, tremendous strides in Destiny, uh, Apex Legends, you know, a, a lot of battle pass kind of mentality is now coming to Overwatch 2. So those were the big changes to me from 1 to 2. Um, but Mike, beyond that, do you have a sense of maybe why they're calling this 2 instead of just injecting the stuff into the client of Overwatch 1? <laughs> why they're calling it 2? <laughs> Not so much. Uh, so when the beta went live, uh, it was odd to me because the first thing is I loaded it up and it automatically had my last character, my last skin, mm-hmm. like already set up, right, like and ready to go. So I was just like, oh, this is this is literally just Overwatch one, right, and some of the two stuff. Uh, like the PVE, which they were really selling before, mm. is actually now in 2023. Right. Mm. Um, but it does give them the excuse to change the business model and change to this season uh, model, which they've probably needed to do uh, way before now. Right. Um, and especially in terms of... Uh, uh, I, I described it almost like a league model where you have so many characters that everybody has a favorite. Yeah. Uh, and whereas Overwatch has been honestly pretty slow to add new characters. And yeah. now that now they're, they're, they're at least committing to a schedule. Like the seasons are supposed to be, I, I think it was like eight weeks. Yeah, um, nine weeks, I think. Yeah. Nine weeks. Mm-hmm. And uh, they said they would add a new hero every other season, like they say, every season is going to be a new map mode or hero, but one of the, in the, 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 uh, presentation, they were like, eh, we're, you know, we're aiming for about, you know, a hero every other season. So like starting to speed up, uh, on, on sort of that side of it. Right. Uh, and I, I, I feel like 
Riot has sort of beat Blizzard to the punch in terms mm. of the more multimedia side of it. And I think yeah. adding more heroes will eventually allow them to get there because they really should have gotten there already. Yeah. Like beyond the comics. That's a, it's so funny you bring up Riot because I think last time I had Ken on and, and last time I had Nikki on to talk about Overwatch 2, uh, the conversation came up, I think, both times about how you know Blizzard honestly felt like at the at the very beginning of Overwatch, felt like they really had this idea cornered of how to create a multimedia franchise out of this game. Like those shorts were amazing. They were must-see uh viewing there were must must much must watched youtube videos like people gathered to watch that stuff as it dropped and were very excited i remember those being very exciting experiences and it does feel like riot has kind of leapfrogged them over the past few years um figuring that stuff out and now it kind of feels like overwatch has to rubber rubber band and and figure this out again um you brought up pve experiences Ken, I want to ask you this specific question because I think you've been paying the most attention to a lot of Mm -hmm. the verbiage from this team. I felt like when I saw um, when I when I saw the team talking about the PVE stuff in the video and also the the phrasing of PVE experiences. Mm -hmm. Right. um, That feels like a really major downgrade from how they used to talk about the PVE component Mm -hmm. of this game. Yeah. And uh, one of in part of that interview, I yeah. that was one of my first questions was like the way that y'all are talking about this hasn't been super concrete in terms of what the story content in this game is going to be. And so I asked like, is it going to be a full campaign or is it going to be something that you are really seeing as part of this new seasonal model? And they kind of stopped short of saying one or another. They, they did tell me that the story content they have has a beginning, middle and end, but they then started instead of like you're know, talking more specific they started talking about how their change to free to play has kind of just changed the model of how they want to do like roll out anything in this game and that means releasing things as it's done instead of like holding it all until everything is done and so like it was, i even was watching the video just before we got on this call and yeah it was talking it said pve begins uh-huh. in 2023 yeah and so that's <laughs> I like I understand from like you know the the entire model that you have of this game has changed and maybe even what it was when you first announced the game and that yeah falls in line with all the things you're talking about but that that is a major fucking bummer to me if that means that we're going to be playing this campaign over the course of probably years maybe because well, like I mean yeah and and I didn't even yeah. get the sense that it might be a cohesive campaign you know what mm-hmm. I mean. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's what I said. Like, there there is like a, a beginning, middle, and end, and you know they they set up like conflicts that it could you know in a hypothetical campaign, right? Would they they would be coming to a head at the in the timeline that they are kind of setting up for Overwatch two, right? But it's been so long since we've seen all of that presented in like a more cohesive way because like they once they did the thing where they decoupled PVE and PVP they kind of haven't been talking about story content at all. Right. And so we don't really have a sense of much of what that's going to be. Even like, you know, the section of the presentation that they did this week for PVE was like very small and was not given a great sense of, because like, like I said, like there's all these gaps in what we have been told about the actual structure of this. Um, so again, they stopped short of saying it out loud, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be, you know, periodic updates that come every season, which I, I understand why 
in terms of you know the, the entire shift that they've done, but as a person who wanted to see an Overwatch story, yeah. like you know, as soon as possible, that is a bummer to me. Right. The, the 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 kind of the roadmap and the layout of the changes that uh, uh, Active Blizz was talking about, um, Mike. As a lapsed player, how are you feeling? Are you excited to jump in on October fourth, or are you uh, trepidatious? Trepidatious, like it. It sounds uh, fine. Uh, the five v five mode was fun. Um, some of my characters have shifted slightly. Um, I really liked Doomfist uh, as a tank, mm. uh, even though it's funny in the presentation. He's like, I can finish this in one punch. No, no, you can't do <laughs> you that. You literally cannot, cannot do you that. You literally anymore. can't. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, no, not at all. Um, and and like I said, like speeding up some of the uh, the releases of new heroes. Right. Uh, the battle pass. I'm. I play Fortnite. Yeah, And one of the things that always bugs me is I don't play Fortnite enough, enough. to get mm. to the end of the battle pass. Yep. So usually what ends up happening is a new skin comes out. I usually will just buy the skin. Yeah. Um, mm. But they also tend to put a skin that is decent at the end of the battle pass. Right. So like right. last season, it was Doctor Strange. And I wanted that skin. But immediately, as soon as I went to the battle pass and I looked and it was at the end, I was like, yeah, I'm just not getting that skin. It's just. Right. Um, and so I assume that these new mythic skins are going right. to go there at the end of a battle pass. So for me, like like that automatically, I was like, OK, that mythic skin, that sounds cool, but that's automatically locked off to me, probably. Mm. Um I'll, I'll probably like if I use Fortnite as a barometer, probably get halfway through a battle pass by the end of the season. Um, yeah. So uh, the thing that's really like bringing me is like, okay, we're going to start increasing sort of the content release in terms of new maps uh, and new heroes. Uh, because I really think that heroes and that personality is where Overwatch can gain some ground. Um, yeah. Like it was new so, heroes and new skins and that stuff. It, yeah, so the mythic skin stuff seems interesting. It's basically a new tier of skin that it, they seem to suggest will also allow for some customization. Mm. Uh, yeah, they, they set it out right. Uh, they, yeah. they were like, you can, you know, uh, pick different colors and different bits and, like, change it up a little bit. So that seems that seems cool. I mean, like I I love I love that idea of being able to get a unique skin and then also customize it beyond that. So, you know, it feels uniquely yours. They're also adding charms to like weapons and stuff. So it does seem like they're leaning into the uniqueness of like, okay, get excited about this hero, but also get excited about these skins. Like I agree with you, Mike. I do think that was a big part of stuff that would actually get me back into the game if I was feeling a little uh, uh, feeling a little dejected about like, you know, how things were going with that game, I would dip back in uh, to check out a new skin or check out a new hero. So yeah, if they, if they speed up the, the, the work there, which I want to talk about the work in a, in right. a minute, but uh, if they speed that up, then I do think there is something unique to that approach that I would be excited about for sure. 
Yeah, and I, I think, like, to their credit, I, a lot of these shifts feel like they are reactionary to the problems that Overwatch has had for a very long time. Because I think, you know, switching the seasonal model where, like, you are kind of, like, ensuring that there is going to be regular constant updates. Because, like, that's, some, that's been Overwatch's problem for a long time as they have shifted into focusing on Overwatch 2. And all it entailed is that, like I said the last time I was on, like, they have saved so much for that game that Overwatch 1 has been stagnant and... I mean, I would even argue like dead game in the in terms of like the content, not <laughs> like people playing it. Like you know, that's the connotation that term has. But like, cause people are playing this game still, not you know as right. many. But in terms of like actually putting stuff in the game to bring people back or to give people like anything more than just you know your regular weekly grind of right live service game, and also yeah. going free to play. They broadly just talked about that as like that that is a way to get people in and make it easier because like even. Now, like, you can't buy Overwatch without having to get it some bundle that makes it close to full price still, almost six years later. Yeah. Um, and that's especially a hard ask when you're not actually doing much with that game. So I, I have to wonder, like, how, like in the shift to free-to-play, like, how much of those conversations happen because they're like, okay, we need to start doing something now because if we mm. keep, you know, saving everything for this package again that we'll put on, on a store shelf, then we are going to continue to bleed players and... Right. This way, they're they're taking down like all the, or more barriers to people getting in and like you know hitting the ground running and finding something to enjoy in this game yeah. instead of you know because like if they had waited until you know next year when the PV stuff was ready to go, mm-hmm. that's like you know six to eight months of waiting, maybe even a full year. Who's, who's to say? And I mean, when was this announced? I, I forget the which part. Uh, uh, just Overwatch two, like original uh, BlizzCon twenty nineteen. <laughs> right and 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 since so it took from then until now to even get really like a concrete feel of what they were doing like i remember that that announcement because uh what's his name was still there jeff and i forget his last name kaplan kaplan yeah um and they were really wishy-washy yeah when they, they were. were talking about it it's like, so what is this going to be? Is this like a full game? Is it like, will we pay for this separately? And they were like, well, no, I mean, it'll work with all of your Overwatch 1 stuff. And it was just, it was so fuzzy. So I I don't know if I agree. And this again, this, this might come from me just being like very tuned into this game in the way that a lot of, not a lot of people that are like, you know, lapsed are. Because like I, sure. I felt the language of what they said when they first announced this game was, fairly clear in terms of like uh the pve stuff was going to be free to Overwatch. like it was just gonna be like an update for Overwatch one players and that's been like a weird thing that i think it's just it's almost like we've played like a game of telephone as the years have gone on about like details that were actually said versus what people i guess remember about that presentation this, this far removed and i think a lot of that comes from like they were silent on this game for a long while after and right you know there are various circumstances to why that was and that's you know as everybody knows, that company right now is uh, in a fucking shitstorm right now. Oh, and yeah, a weird spiral. Yep. So, yeah, in a way, I think like Overwatch 2's marketing in the past year or so has felt uh, maybe less precise than it ever did before. Um, and so, like, I, I think, like, at, at the very least, this feels like a strong, like, reset of all that. I mean, like, okay, here's our message here. We're going to be very clear about what this is, how people can get involved, or how people can get in it. And, yeah, it's, 
it's been a rough time to get here, but I do feel like for whatever it's worth, the foundation that they've set now feels like the foundation the game needed several years ago. Right. Um, so you let, let's talk about the work a little bit because you, you did sit down with game director, Aaron Keller, art director, Dion Rogers and their commercial lead, John Spector, um, you know, uh, Keller and Rogers featured pretty prominently in the, in the video. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously going to, a seasonal model and free to play and having this kind of constant stream of content in a way that overwatch has not really done before raises, I think very good questions, questions that you raised in a really good piece over on fanbyte.com, which I think you should go read. Uh, but we'll talk about it now uh, as well. Um, this, this company is under a ton of scrutiny. Uh, mm-hmm. It doesn't matter that this week they cleared themselves of wrongdoing in the internal <laughs> investigation, which is, um, a, a wild part of the story in and of itself. Um, but they're going to be under a ton of scrutiny while one, uh, government entities look at the, uh, look at the merger of, uh, Microsoft and Activision Blizzard while basically the entire public is examining the labor practices of this massive company. Um, and as Overwatch 2 settles into this brand new way of doing things for them, um, how do you think this is going to work? Well, they were fairly adamant in the interview that yeah. know, they have had a lot of things in place, like leading up to this, because they expected, you know, the new pipeline to be, you know, m- more constant. And that included more hires. Like they said that the team was several times larger than it had been when they first launched the game in 2016. Right. Um, structural changes and also like toolkit changes to like make, the creation of assets and changes quicker. Um, and, you know, it, like, I believe that, like, on a fundamental level, I believe that, like, changes have been made and, like, you know, that has, that there is, like, an attempt being made to make this as easy on everyone as possible. But broadly, every public statement that Activision Blizzard makes about any labor issue is often undermined by a report that comes, like, fairly yep. shortly after. Uh-huh. Um, yep. And it's something like I, it's something like I, as you know, a reporter and a critic, have tried to keep in mind. It's like because like there's part of me that like does look at companies and be like, yes, they are run by these you know suits that make a shit ton of money that never meet any of the people that are actually working on the things that they put out. But then right. there are people that are, you know, act, like they're going into work every day and like they care about what they're working on. And like I think that's yeah. something that like everyone's trying to, as these labor issues in the game industry are coming to light. Right. We're all trying to kind of like grapple with like where's the balance between how we talk about these things in terms of not believing people that profit by lying, but also acknowledging that this work is done by people who do give a shit about what they're doing. Right. Um, and so I, I, I guess like my, the only real feeling I have, and I was like, tread, like tread lightly, like, you know, approach this with some level of skepticism and caution, because like, as much as I believe that they probably believe what they're saying about how they want this to be a healthy work environment for, the people that are going to be having to making these, you know, constant nine, nine, or one thing, nine weeks is a fucking short time for a season of any right. live game, like Fortnite's last month, I believe. Yeah. Yep. Um, and that is a lot. And I would be interested to see how long they maintain that even. Right. Um, yeah. It's yeah. like, you have to imagine like if some of these issues start to come up in terms of like overwork, like, you know, the right thing to do, would be to start to scale back, even if that means like, you know, having to tell the public and you know, your, your player base, like, Hey, we are scaling back, but it is in the interest of keeping 
just like a, a healthy work environment for our workers. Like, you know, we, even in the, especially in the midst of the pandemic, that's been a lot of the talking, but for a lot of companies, like when they make a delay, they're like, they're very, being very transparent. Like we are doing this because it is the best thing for our workers. Right. And I would like to see things like that happen for Overwatch to, in the event that this does become you know, an issue. And right. a lot of that we're probably not going to hear about in any public yeah. facing way. And sure. it'll probably be yeah. like on the report for us to hear as time goes on. Yeah, that was the thing that was sticking out to me when I was listening to the schedule. Like, again, I play Fortnite. Fortnite survives primarily, and there have been reports on this, uh, a, a army of freelance mm. 3D artists to keep skins and and other stuff flowing into the game. Yeah. And to be honest, a good half of Fortnite skins are licensed stuff which means yeah. they don't even have to really create them. Like there, there is a right. design aspect to him, but when you're like, okay, bring over Dr. Strange or bring over right. Finn from star Wars or it's, re- it's, it's referential modeling. Yeah. I mean, it's right. Yeah. yeah. Whereas for overwatch, like you get to 2023 and on and it says a hundred plus new skins. I'm like, like you got to design all of those. Mm-hmm. Like you got to design every single skin yeah. Like, yes, there are some referential skins for like Blizzard properties and stuff, but at least right now, Overwatch hasn't morphed towards some of the things that you'll see. Like Apex, Apex has uh, uh, stuff that references like they're not licensed directly, but you can tell what it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and Overwatch, yeah. at least so far, outside of Blizzard stuff doesn't tend to do a lot of that. Like yeah. all of the skins are pretty bespoke to the character yeah. um, and, and designed well for that character. So I'm, I'm like, I look at their season marker uh, with 30 new skins for each season, which is eight weeks. And I'm like, man, that sounds like a lot. Yeah. I, I, well, it, I do. And I will say, I will say also though, they've only committed to two dates here. Let's be honest about that. Like they've only committed to October 4th and December 6th. Mm. They've said nine weeks of updates, but like to me, to my eyeballs, this tells me they're leaving some room to go, Hey, uh, around the holiday season, we may reevaluate how this model is working. Mm. Um, that's, that's the cynic in me. Uh, but it's also natural. Like if you're getting into this for the first time and to your point, Mike, you're cranking out 30 new skins, uh, a new hero, uh, presumably a new hero every season, which is a new hero every nine weeks. Um, like you said that, every, uh, every other season, uh, every uh, other season. Okay. So season. it was three new seasons for October 4th. I mean, three new heroes for October 4th, one new hero for December 6th. And then it's basically every other after that. That's true. But it's still, it still tells me that they they may reevaluate this. They they did not commit mm-hmm. to a January thirtieth or whatever date for for their next season. So it's like there's some wiggle room here for them to reevaluate this pretty pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I I am feeling skeptical, obviously. I mean, you know, Microsoft did sign a labor neutrality agreement with the CWA, which is, uh, it's a good thing. Um, I'm, I'm not going to give, you know, Phil Spector and Microsoft the credit that some others are giving. I would rather give that credit to the 
the laborers mm. who kind of forced their hand on that, which I think is great. Uh, much to your point, Ken, about the folks that are going into work every day. Um, so that's that's a that's a good thing. Um, hopefully, it'll be met by some you know good faith bargaining about this stuff. But um, was there anything else in the interview, the roundtable with with the the Blizz folks that? stood out to you that you would you would want to discuss or uh dissect a little bit ken uh one of the questions i was able to ask and this was at the the behest of a lot of people at uh the site was like what <laughs> is the, the pitch here for the lapse overwatch player and yeah this one and like as i mentioned before like i feel like a lot of the the changes they have made to overwatch 2 in terms of his model and yeah even all the uh the content rollout we're talking about, feels reactionary to like criticisms that has largely surrounded it um which has, has been like, they, they know new content is like one of the, or lack of new content is one of the major drop-off points, and they are, in in their way, they are trying to uh, address that as much as they can. Um, which I, I guess is, is, is my question for like Mike, as the lapsed person in the room. Well, John, you also have lapsed in the room. Yeah, um, that's true. What are y'all like looking for at this point? Like, what is the thing that will like bring y'all back? Uh, I mean... At least for me, like I said, New Heroes uh, is probably the big, and and I'm I am looking forward to the 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 PVE thing. Like I said, I I always thought that that Overwatch should be a bigger uh, multimedia thing, mm-hmm. and I feel like there's room to say uh, tell some stories on the PVE side, and mm-hmm. then you know make the comics. Uh, make a you know an animated series or something like that, and introduce a villain there, and then bring it back. Like, and especially now that they have the free to play, I think there's more traction in being able to pull someone in from another property related to Overwatch, right? And pull them into the game since the barrier to entry is so much lower now. Like, you don't have to spend sixty bucks; it's free to play on all platforms cross progression uh which is also by the way uh, i i forgot to mention that uh that also is a very big thing mm. uh because i play on pc and yeah. it was pretty much there for my entire time whereas i had some people who play it on console and i just mm. wouldn't play with them at all um mm. because you know part of the hook there is having your your favorite characters with your favorite skins and everything mm. like that. Right. Um, so that's a good move. But I, I, again, I think with the PVE side, the, the real benefit for that is bringing in some other players and really attaching them to these characters. Mm-hmm. Because uh-huh. once you got that done, I, I think a lot of your work is done. Like that's the mm-hmm. kind of thing uh, that League and Apex and some other, like, you really, like, attach to the character themselves. Right. That was something that, the cross-progression thing was something that also stuck out to me, because I played primarily on PlayStation, and then when the first beta came out, and uh, none of my skins and such were there, that oh, felt yeah. not great, but then, well, also, the next beta is going to have, uh, it's going to be a console, but, like, that was an issue for a long time in terms of why people weren't, like, people that I knew weren't playing together or at all, uh, was because, like, you know, we had a group that was all playing on PlayStation and somebody played on PC and was like, I just don't want to, you know, go back and have to start uh, basically recollecting all of these things. Yeah. And so that's good. And 
because like they've had crossplay now for a bit, and that was always a weird omission. And again, like I think this might just be a thing of like they were saving a lot of these kind of overhauls to all their innards and systems uh, for Overwatch Two, and whatever they're doing now is allowing them to actually put all the stuff out a lot earlier than probably that even they anticipated at the time. Right. I, I, for me, as a laps player, I mean this, you know, and this kind of shows I think the the spectrum of Overwatch players. Whenever they did the PVE stuff, it was not compelling content to me. So mm. I. I don't have a lot of faith that they will be able to correct that. And I especially don't have faith in the, their ability to correct that after kind of hearing the way that they've talked about the PVE stuff recently. Mm-hmm. So that, that stuff really doesn't matter to me. The, the thing that I would love to have back, which I have heard is something that we have not gotten back and may never get back is the sense that everyone on the team has a, uh, unbelievably defined role that mm. has to do with claiming objectives, right? Like I keep hearing from many people that the, the five V five, which like I haven't tried yet. The next beta test goes live on June 28th. I intend to get into it and, and check it out. But I keep hearing that the five V five stuff really is more or less a team death match that when you've basically got your numbers uh, in the right place. That's when you basically focus on the objective. I felt like in the early days of this game, there was a lot of really intriguing and interesting teamwork required Mm -hmm. to be successful at this game. And I miss that. That's when, when the game started to feel not like that, that's when I kind of stepped away and everything I hear said, said, you know, everything I hear kind of says that they have not gotten back to that at all. It, yeah. it is definitely more aggressive and they have removed uh not removed, lessened some of the shielding yeah. right. and support stuff. So like which time, I which I time love to kill when I was playing uh the beta, time to kill was, was I, very I felt low. much shorter yeah. than the previous Overwatch. Yeah, and it's something like even with the reworks of certain characters, I think it's like I, I think that's still very much a problem that it's, you know if you if that is uh, in your opinion a problem that which I mean I, I also agree with what you're saying that if, if you like in terms of uh, role defining it's getting even murkier now that there's only one and because yep. like you look at the the major reworks that they've done with characters like Arisa and Sombra to the which are two of my like the main characters that I play and those characters in Overwatch 1 as it exists right now, like kind of like have a very interesting sort of play on the role that they already exist in, where versus Lust of Shield, she is much more uh, about, you know, like pushing through and getting to the yeah. objective. And then Sombra has, who almost like kind of was a, it, it exists in the middle of damage and support, has become much more of like a focus fire assassin type character mm. where her hack is like a one second off button and then anything that anybody that is hacked takes more damage from her specifically. Yeah. And in that way, like you can see, like how they are stri- kind of stripping away, not necessarily even the essence of the character. Because I still feel like they feel like themselves, not just not necessarily mechanically anymore. Yeah. Um. Even if like you know their kit still feels in line with who that character is, like in my mind, like Summer's a hacker and she is, you know, she uses stealth. Like she's kind of this uh, harasser that gets like in the back line of the, the enemy and is able to kind of manipulate things from there, but. Even so, like she now exists more to be, like I said, this focus fire, fire character that can 
do a lot of damage and maybe like take a person out but instead uh-huh. of being somebody who now when i play her in overwatch one she i use her primarily to take down the shield of a reinhardt so my entire team can come in and do a lot mm. of damage to push forward and so it is gonna be interesting to see how and if overwatch starts to kind of uh you know shift back into that or not and i do think like the taking one tank out is probably an indication that they're not going to do that anytime soon yep so that is all something to be paying attention to as we had talked over yeah yeah um yeah i i i still it's funny friend of the site been packed um tweeted at me yesterday that they're calling this overwatch 2 because it's too hard to explain what it is which i thought was very funny um and and i still kind of feel like there is going to be some market confusion about this game but i will say uh i think for the first time i get how this game is going to roll out right like they Mm. they finally kind of uh explain that it's enough to get me intrigued it's enough to get me you know to uh, absolutely check this out the first week it's out you know and i will probably get into this next beta and 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 check it out then but um yeah i'm gonna want to play with these new heroes i'm gonna want to want to you know get new skins i'm gonna kind of want to dip my feet back in so i I guess Mm. they've done a good enough job of convincing me that that's something i will do um but gosh I, i sure hope the i sure hope this team takes care of itself during this whole process. I I think some of the murkiness also is lessened as a problem now that it's free to play. Right. That was for sure. Like when they announced it before you were like, okay, what am I going to have to buy? Right, right, right. Is this an upgrade? Is this just a continuation of the original? Do I have to spend more now? It's free to play. It's like, ah, sure. Whatever. I'll try. Right. I think like once you take that barrier down, a lot of the confusion is, but I guess benign in the end, because like somebody will just, download the thing and then play the game and right i think that's what they're kind of like planning on like i think that's what they're hoping for and switching to free to play is that they just want a, like a much smaller barrier to entry and yeah for whatever it's worth like i think that just okay i have had my feelings about the way that people talk about overwatch 2 and that i feel what's the what's the kindest way to say this i, I do feel like there's a sense of like I don't think it was that confusing, but but again, that comes from me, like, having paid as much attention to it. But I also feel like there was a bit of a a game of telephone that was happening that wasn't, that feels more like internet misinformation to me than anything that had to do with what Blizzard said, which I think is, you know, just a a problem with the internet, which nobody can solve. But I do think now a lot of that can just kind of, like, fall by the wayside because they have given people a very easy way in. And to, like, if they have these questions, they, they can find out, like, by playing the game and yeah we'll see i mean yeah i i I think probably you're you're right to some extent but i also i i don't know i you got i think they got off on a tremendously bad foot by saying this is called overwatch 2 if you've got overwatch 1 a lot of the stuff will still be available to you um and then kind of not really explaining much beyond that, you know, for what really felt like a couple of years. Like, I, I think, I think they did explain some stuff more concretely than I think people have said. Yes. Um, but I do think they, <laughs> it seems like they did not answer their own question about why this is called overwatch Two when they first announced it. Um, sure. I, I don't feel like they, I, I do feel like they earned some of the skepticism, skepticism and confusion, but I also, 
admit that you know in the new in the new way of live service games destiny could have done the exact same thing they could have said okay this is destiny 2 but a lot of destiny's one stuff is still going to basically be here at the beginning and and you know i don't remember there being a ton of confusion about that so you know it's like yeah i think i think a lot of folks protested a little too much but i also i i don't know i think some of the confusion was earned for sure mm-hmm. um but they're they're slowly clearing a lot of that stuff up i yep. think as they as they understand what the game is that they're making they're clearing mm-hmm. it up and uh um, you know just i fucking want it i want to yeah, play it now sure i, I like i've in you know since since the beta of overwatch so i've been play, i've gone back to overwatch one a lot and it's like i i love this fucking game yeah you know like all the complicated feelings i feel about you know the company that's making it and yeah you know I, again like i said earlier this is something that i think everyone is trying to reconcile as we learn that the sausage is made how the sausage is made in video games and how it is often fucking brutal for everybody like in every game that you every game you like has probably had some degree of sure. some problem and yeah. But I really like. I still like really buy into a lot of Overwatch's broader ethos of just like the world can be better and something that wrote like we don't kind of we don't really cover a lot of Activision stuff right now outside of the constant text of the lawsuit right now. But there's something I wrote about the the comic uh, series that came out where Cassidy was going through and like recruiting the new uh, generation of Overwatch and like the entire thing was about like trying to like set a better foundation on something that was rotten. Right. Like. That shit still hits. That that yeah. resonates with me, and I so I hope the people that are still there, it's like still you know doing the work, still organizing, still like trying to make that place better for the people that work there. I hope that you know some of that comes through in the game that they're putting out too. Yeah this this is this is Ken's game. Like everyone has one game <laughs> they keep going back to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like me, it's like Assassin's Creed or like even World of Warcraft to a certain extent. But like like even when we're in Slack, you can. Mm-hmm. Feel the enthusiasm from Ken. <laughs> yeah, all about for it. For sure. Watch. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's like, I, yeah, this company still gets gets me in a lot of ways too. I mean, I spent, you know, a lot of my Sunday dissecting that Diablo 4 video. I'm like a fairly new Diablo person, but like, I'm like, they got me. Like, I'm, I'm in. I get it. These these are still a group of people that make, that make incredibly realized fictional worlds that I do want to spend time in. So... Yeah, to that point, there are still a ton of workers that are working on this stuff and not involved in the uh, the, the the terrible shit that is going on upstairs. Um, so yeah, it's a compl- it's a complicated thing, but um, but yeah, I'm glad you're excited, Ken. You you should be, um, and I, th- I appreciate your interview. Uh, that the uh, some of the details of that interview and uh, some insight from Ken, like I said, over at fanby.com. You should go read that, it's very good. Ken, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. And Mike, uh, I'll just leave you with this one question. We don't have to get too deep into it. Are you excited about Dragon's Dogma 2? Dragon's Dogma 2. <laughs> no, it's gonna be amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm so ready for it. Uh, I, I don't know what sort of eldritch magic, how many children they sacrifice to make our <laughs> engine work for as many games as it does. But uh, I'm like, you know, you're looking at Resident Evil Village, RE7, uh, you know, uh, and actually I don't think RE7 was uh, RE engine. Anyways, um, Village, Dragon, uh, Devil May Cry 5, you know, all that yep. stuff. And I'm yep. like, okay, 
you turn Ichino on this and, you know, he's still there. Make it work. Like, yeah. like, like a lot of people, I, I remember when Eldrin Ring like really hit. Yeah. And in my head, I was like, man, I wish I had played Dragon's Dog. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, because it has that same vibe, except the, yep. like you, you were talking on Twitter, you have a pawn. They, they gave you a, your, your pawn lady and your pawn lady does a lot of the work like that. Oh, that's yeah. That's the exciting thing to me. Like, yeah. uh, you can really, and you got to get into guides and stuff to really like guide the growth of your pawn. Uh-huh. But once your pawn fully does what you want it to do. It's magic. It's it's a beautiful thing. Like you're yeah. like ah, this is the pawn I wanted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, go play Dragon's Dogma: Dark Arisen. It is out on many platforms right now. I'm playing it on Nintendo Switch. Um, it is it was on a, Switch. Yeah, mm. it's on the Switch, mm. baby. Yep, and it runs pretty well. Uh, it's 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 good. Um, I I really only seen people play through this game. I started to play through it this past week for the very first time. I I'm like I was immediately immediately like oh this game fucking whips like it is really interesting anyway you should go play it i'm excited about dragon's dogma 2 mike thanks for talking to us about overwatch 2 as well indeed i always and, love coming back yeah we love having you and uh yeah i appreciate everyone's time and uh until next time uh oi that was tracer I was about to to say cheers, love the camera was gone. (laughs) Well, with all the big game announcements and uh, previous releases from this past week, two of which I want to talk about uh, in a a moment, uh, we can look ahead to some of the games that might have fallen through the cracks uh, with all this excitement. Let's talk about the games that are coming out this week. Um, Fall Guys is one of the uh, coolest party games around. Uh, it w- was kind of relegated to a couple platforms. Now it's coming free to play to PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch on June 21st. That's super exciting. The Shadow Run Trilogy, which is a really great collection of RPGs. You can play that now on PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch on June 21st. Wreckfest is coming to Switch on June June 21st. It feels like we've willed that into uh, fruition to some extent over here at Fanbyte. Uh, Deliver Us the Moon is a game that's been on a few platforms before now, so you can go read some information about that. Uh, but it's now coming to PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X and S on June 23rd. Naraka Blade Point is coming to Xbox Series X and S on June 23rd, which uh, seems like a kind of a cool game. NetEase is making that one. It's uh, We've seen it a few times. Graphics look really cool. Who knows if it'll play well, but uh, June 23rd we'll be able to find out. Sonic Origins has got uh, their sights set on some reimaginings of those old Sonic games with some museum bells and whistles that uh, I'm pretty excited about. I'm not the biggest Sonic fan in the world, but Sonic Mania was co- Sonic Mania was cool. I liked uh, that whole vibe. Seems like they're bringing the same vibe to Sonic Origins. Again, that is June 23rd for PlayStation 5, for Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. 
the Capcom Fighting Collection is something we're all very excited about over here at Fanbyte because mostly uh, the Darkstalkers stuff. We're super big fans of Darkstalkers, but also uh, other games in there as well, like Red Earth, uh, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. That's on June 24th. Uh, Fire Emblem Warriors 3 Hopes. That's a big one that we'll have some coverage for over at fanbyte.com on June 24th. That's, of course, coming to Nintendo Switch. Madison is a spookum. A Spookums game, <laughs> really scary looking game, coming to PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Xbox Series X and S, Nintendo Switch, and PC on June 24th. Uh, in terms of Xbox Game Pass, um, a lot of games were announced at the Xbox Showcase that are eventually coming to Xbox Game Pass. A lot of the stuff they announced were coming. Not a ton that uh, was announced for this specific month, although uh, we will be getting a couple new games. Uh, Total War uh, Three Kingdoms is coming to the PC Game Pass. Uh, and then again uh, on July 5th, that's a little bit from now, uh, but Last Call BBS, which is apparently the last game uh, uh, that Zachtronics is going to make. So that's kind of interesting. It's like a mini game collection. Uh, those games are coming. Hey, the PlayStation plus, uh, the, the PlayStation plus revamp is live. Um, we've had a chance to dive into, uh, the, all three tiers. I'm now a subscriber for that top tier, which gives you access to the full library, all the streaming stuff, you know, stuff works pretty well. Um, I'm not going to say it's the most organized, uh, thing on the PlayStation Network. It could use a little bit of love in that department, but it's a fairly robust offering. It does definitely highlight the need for a bigger uh, hard drive uh, for the PlayStation, but I've already downloaded Dark Cloud 2, a couple other games, uh, and and played those a bit, and uh, you know everything seems to work pretty well. Um, again, the best uh, reason to have this thing uh, right now, at least, uh, is for Stray. Uh, you get that free uh, on July 19th if you are a PlayStation Plus premium subscriber. So that's a pretty good reason for me. Um, but the rest of the stuff is pretty good. It is not a full-fledged competitor to Xbox Game Pass. They've always said it. that's not really the point. Uh, but it is nice. It's a nice little uh, subscription package that does give you access to a lot of uh, old stuff, a lot of new stuff, a lot of stuff that's kind of in between. Um, it's not bad. Uh, there's a lot of stuff missing that doesn't really make sense to me, but presumably they'll be filling out that back catalog uh, over the next you know few months, years, etc. Uh, so if you want to go check that out, I definitely recommend it. Um, it is uh, a, a nice little thing to have uh, if you are especially if you're kind of short on games. If you're like, you know, I've, I can only afford a couple of uh, $70 games a year, but you can drop some cash every month. You could get a lot of uh, pretty cool stuff. So uh, definitely check that out. Um, and that's really about it in terms of releases this week. Uh, I still haven't checked out Obi-Wan. This is going to be the, I don't know, fourth week in a row I've said that. I did finish uh, Stranger Things. It's fine. That's all I have to say. Uh, the next couple episodes come out on July 1st. That's my birthday. Um, and they are, they apparently, I, I didn't realize this until recently. They weren't done. They were still in post-production uh, because there was a ton of CG work that had to be finished. So that's kind of why they did things the way they did. Um, so that's interesting. That's an interesting piece of information. Uh, but yeah, it's okay. That's a, that's a show that I've watched every episode of come to the conclusion that's not very good, but I still watching it anyway. Also, Kate Bush is great. 
But you should have known that before watching Stranger Things, don't you think? That is going to do it for this week's episode of TFTK. I want to thank my two guests, Kenneth Shepard and Mike Williams, for their insight on Overwatch 2 and also getting a little bit excited about Dragon's Dogma 2. Very cool. Uh, if you want to find Ken, you can find him over on Twitter at ShepardCDR. That is S-H-E-P-A-R-D-C-D-R. You can also find his writing, of course, over on fanbyte.com every single day. And also, he has a podcast called Normandy FM. Uh, host that with friend of the site, Eric Van Allen, over from Destructoid. They've been talking about video games for a very long time, as you might, uh, as it might suggest to you. They started with Mass Effect, but it's turned into a full Bioware retrospective, and now they're getting into Cyberpunk 2077. That is very exciting and cool. Uh, so yeah, go listen to that podcast. Thanks, Ken. If you want to find Mike, you can find him at Automatic Zen on Twitter. And of course, you can find his writing on the link shell. That's our Final Fantasy 14 section. He also is doing a lot of reporting for us on the TV and film side these days. Thank you so much, Mike. Mike can also be heard uh, periodically on Acts of the Blood God, which is another podcast we love from friends uh from friends cat bailey not uh, nadia oxford and eric van allen uh that's a wonderful rpg podcast we also have one of those it's called 99 potions you should go listen to that uh and and you know we produce a lot of podcasts here and i want to give a shout out to my producer paul tamayo who does an excellent job with this show every single week you can find him at Polly mayo over on twitter you can find me at floppy adult i also host a show every tuesday morning on twitch.tv slash fanbite called tuesday morning the show it's a bit of a companion piece to this show we talk about news we watch uh, trailers we talk about stupid videos we've seen we play some video games it's a good time join us every tuesday morning at 10 30 eastern over on twitch.tv slash fanbite um uh, fanbite.com slash podcast is where you can find all of our podcasts in one place the honestly one of the coolest things you can do for us is tell your friends about this show tell your friends about other shows that you like on the network it is a huge help for us leave us a nice review over on apple uh, apple podcasts or spotify or wherever you can basically tell your pod catcher of choice that you like this show it helps us out a ton um share the stuff you see on 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 twitter that helps us uh, you know it helps us out a lot um your support is really what keeps us going and uh yeah things are things are tough right now in media they really are uh so honestly if you're excited about these shows tell folks about them uh it would really 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 uh, help us out a lot and i would appreciate it thanks uh until next week folks you're welcome Thank you.